and welcome to today's episode of In Fellowship, the podcast where we explore community building through a chapter-by-chapter read of The Lord of the Rings. My name is Ellen. And my name is Anna. And in today's episode, we're discussing Book 4, Chapter 3, The Black Gate is Closed, Exploring Hope in Community. Ellen, Mm -hmm. this chapter, as with the previous two chapters... Bleak, I think, is a fair descriptor. It's a little gray. A little grim. And both Sam and Frodo, I think, are having an equally bad time, just generally. Mm -hmm. If you had to pick, would you prefer to be Frodo or Sam in the events of this week's chapter? I would always prefer to be Sam. (laughs) And why? I would always prefer to be Sam because he's not carrying the ring. Mm -hmm. And I feel like... A r- the ring is like an extra 20 pounds in your backpack. Mm-hmm. And if you can pass that off to somebody else and not be responsible for carrying it, you would absolutely do that. Makes sense. What about you? Would you pick Would you pick Sam or would you be crazy and pick Frodo? <laughs> well, with that kind of open-ended, non-leading <laughs> question at all. I write polls for a living. I'm really unbiased. Yes, mm-hmm, I sense that. Um, I don't know. I do think ring aside, right, which... Mm-hmm really skews the choice there is something to be said about frodo's in a leadership position so he Mm, has like a higher level of accountability but he also is the one sort of making the decisions and i think that can be that can be an empowering space to live in if you're on a journey like this where you aren't in sam's situation having to kind of go along with the decisions that frodo is making Mm mm-hmm and I'm sure that we'll have more of a conversation about that through the chapter, but ring aside, I was kind of thinking, like, Frodo's much more of a leader in the situation, and Sam is much more of a doer. And I do vibe with Sam as, like, the legs, the muscle, the the detail person who's making things happen, but I think there's something to be said for leadership and getting to set the tone for the journey, maybe? Mm-hmm. But Sam gets to sing a fireside poem. He does. And if you're a performer, you would never pass up the opportunity to showcase your talents. Right. Plus, he has all of the, to me, the pragmatic skills of this, where I, like Frodo, likely have very few skills, like tactical skills to bring to the table. Right. But I really envy that Sam is like, I can tie these really fabulous knots in a rope. And mm-hmm. I'm the one who's kind of monitoring our provisions and making sure that we're like, you know, before Smeagol comes along, resting and watering right, and, and I know how to eating. cook and I will, right. you know, be camp chef if we ever find something to cook. Absolutely. Okay, well, I mean, uh, this actually works out then. So I'll be Sam and you can be Frodo and we'll go on our hike to Mordor. That feels like you tricking me into going backpacking. <laughs> like, I assume that's always the ulterior motive in any situation where you're like, oh, yeah, we'll just go on a journey together. I'm like, this yeah. is her trapping is me in backpacking. <laughs> is it out of doors? Am I sleeping outside on the ground? <laughs> Am I sleeping on the ground? Because that feels like a hard no for me. I will hike during the day. Mm. I will not camp overnight. Okay. It's good to have boundaries. And I have that very firmly <laughs> set in my mind. <laughs> Okay, but now that we know, like, who we both are, mm-hmm. today's theme was hope. And I'm hoping you brought a story for us wow. to really explore that further. <laughs> what an A-plus transition. Thank you so much. I did, in fact, bring a story, but I, I had a hard time thinking of a story for today 
because in general, I do think of myself as a very hopeful person. And it's sort of hard to like find one specific instance to discuss of the thing that you're you're swimming in all the time. Mm, mm-hmm. But I did I did think of something. So I was recently reading back through the journal that I kept during the start of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And given how dark those months were, I was really surprised to read how hopeful I sounded despite that. There were a lot of things in particular that I was hoping for at the time. You know, I wanted things to be better in a few weeks. And then I was hoping for the weather to be nicer so that I could spend more time outside. And then I was hoping for things to be better by June so I could go out and celebrate my birthday and sort of so on and so forth for for those months. I remember talking to friends and coworkers around this time. And of course, it was the only topic of conversation. Everyone was talking about the pandemic. And it seemed like people were either full of hopeful optimism that things would be over soon. uh, And that was the camp that I was in. Or full of resignation and despair that this would last for years. That second group obviously turned out to be correct. But I do wonder at what cost to their mental health. There's there's something about hope to me that means being comfortable with things outside of your control. I was talking to somebody about this before the episode recording, and we just dis- we discussed how you never really hope for something that is completely within your control because then you would just make it happen. Maybe you can influence the outcome, but there is an element of unpredictability in the things that we hope for. And I was thinking about that in relation to this chapter, since he can't control what's going to happen next with the journey or with Gollum, but he's still placing his trust there and hoping that things will turn out for the best. And that really resonated with me and how I felt during the pandemic is that, you know, maybe I can influence some things in my own individual sphere but there was an element of hope that things would just turn out best because you can't completely control what's going to happen. I like that. And I think that's a reminder of why you and I work so well together because I don't find myself to be a particularly hopeful person. And so I like that you often remind me to be hopeful about things and that you are often the person who challenges me to see things as an opportunity where I often see them as an annoyance or (laughs) an inconvenience. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that struck me about your story is that hope is really, and I've heard this said by folks much smarter than myself, is that hope is a strategy and a practice. Mm. And I have only experienced hope almost as like a naivete, like, oh, things will just work out. And that isn't how my brain works. So when someone presented it as like a strategy and a choice and a moment of activism and reclamation, that started to frame it in a much more realistic frame for me and feel much more attainable than how I'd experienced it previously in my life, where it was just like, I'm just hoping for these big unattainable things that I feel like may never happen. Mm -hmm. Like that always felt like such a leap for me. And I think in our chapter, to your point, the hope is a a practice. I think Sam in particular is really practiced in 
And without that, they're not able to, to move forward, right? If they give in to despair, they're unlikely to make any of the important moves mm-hmm. that they need to make. And so it's not pie in the sky, like Pollyanna. No, we're not dreaming. We're, right. we're adding action into, into the hope and into the, the optimism. Right. And I think that, that for me was a really important shift. And I think that's a really important framing for our for our protagonists as well. And so hopefully uh, for folks who may not feel hopeful, who may align more with me than perhaps with you and their newbie hope strategy <laughs> practice, is that hopefully this is a, a good shift for you all to kind of rethink what it means to hope versus to maybe dream. Mm-hmm. Well, I have so much that I want to talk about with this chapter so let's hear from you what the main events were so that we can start diving in and hearing really what Frodo and Sam and Gollum got up to for these last couple of pages. Perfect. So we start off the chapter with the hobbits making it to Mordor and the general vibe is bleak as we said at the top. So It's not looking good. The landscape hasn't gotten any friendlier. And we also see the Black Gate to Mordor. Frodo uh, is originally very determined to just, like, walk through the gate. And Sam and Smeagol are both, they dissent to that plan. And so, ultimately, Smeagol proposes an alternative route, which apparently he's known about the whole time. But because no one asked him about it specifically, he hadn't shared that. Frodo sees an army of men in service of the Dark Lord guarding and outside of the gate. And so ultimately that feels like the linchpin that he then agrees to the alternative. And in the conversation between Frodo and Smeagol, we really see a change in Frodo where he's both affirming that Smeagol has been helpful at least twice previously when Frodo and Sam have trusted him but that he warns Smeagol he's willing to use, Frodo is, the ring to basically, like, yeet Smeagol off a cliff should he betray them. And so we see this shift in their relationship, (laughs) and Smeagol needs some time to recover from this very specific threat. He needs a lot of time to recover. (laughs) Right. Smeagol is pretty long-winded in describing this alternate route, and we spend a good portion of the chapter with Frodo pondering the decision. Ultimately, the trio is almost discovered by more men headed to Mordor. We get a bit of a description about them, and Sam hopes to see an Oliphant. And it is this almost discovery where Frodo decides to go with Smeagol's plan and use this alternative route well recapped thank you i feel like um gollum needed to use that tactic that you're supposed to use with coworkers or children when you receive a question and you don't really know how to answer and you, mm-hmm. you ask well why are you asking that mm-hmm. and gollum did not do that when they were like can you take us to the black gate he was just like yeah yeah i can do that right and if we had probed a little bit deeper we would have discovered that Frodo was asking the wrong question and Gollum was providing the wrong answer. And we've walked all this way for very little gain. Right. It is so deeply tragic in the moment, but also a bit amusing to be like, 
we just never considered that there was an alternative way to get mm-hmm. into Mordor, but, like, also maybe didn't think through to the fact that, like, is this Black Gate the only gate? Because then the likelihood that it isn't guarded feels pretty slim. Mm-hmm. But I think the call-out of Gandalf also in the chapter is really important, yes. where, like, maybe had they had more time together, Gandalf could have said... <laughs> Don't, don't take this alternative route or here are some things you should know about venturing out into the world instead of just being like, hey, dude, do you like jewelry? Do you think like maybe you could hang on to this thing for me for way too long? Walk in this general direction for a year and right. you'll get there. It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. So that was the chapter. I assume we have lots of examples of both hope and perhaps the other side of hope, despair, throughout the chapter. Yes, we do. So why don't you go ahead and share with us your examples? Our first example is, in fact, a quote about despair. And it takes place on page 272 in the chapter. This is when Frodo and Sam have arrived at the Black Gate. And the quote is, quote, The two hobbits gazed at the towers and the wall in despair. And I included it because I do think that despair truly is the opposite of hope. And I wanted to I wanted to bring that in and maybe question it a little bit because I, I, I could also see and have heard people describe apathy mm-hmm. as the opposite of hope. But I don't know. What do, what do you think about those two? Do you, do you find that one is a better counterpart than the other or that we're all sort of adjacent on the feelings wheel? I think that's a great question. I have also heard that apathy is the opposite or sort of the antithesis to to hope. And I think part of that is because there is no emotional engagement or action mm-hmm. paired with it. Despair to me also communicates like a lack of hope and lack of strategy or action. But it is a big feeling, so it may be maybe closer semantically, at least, to hope than... Because you do still care with despair. Right. Where apathy is saying, I don't care about any of this, and so there's no need to have a plan. There's no impetus to think differently about the situation because I'm not engaged at all. That's helpful because I feel that the despair that the hobbits are experiencing in this chapter does help them plan and and find a different way into Mordor, hopefully, uh, when they decide Mm -hmm. at the end to not go through the gate. Great. I'm glad we included that. Solved that problem. Solved it. (laughs) Check, check, check. What's next? (laughs) Well, we're staying on page 272. And this is a quote from Sam. Um, And he's saying about, oh, uh, here we are at the gate. And he talks about his dad, who he calls the gaffer, which we probably shouldn't try in our own parental relationship, but could be funny. Mm -hmm. And the quote from Sam is, quote, often said I'd come to a bad end if I didn't watch my step, he did. But now I don't suppose I'll ever see the old fellow again. And I think that last bit gives you a little peek into into Sam's heart and shows that he, he hopes that he will see his dad again, even if he only does so so his dad is given the chance to berate him for Sam's foolish missteps over the, the last few chapters. But the mm-hmm. I don't suppose I'll ever see him again bit, to me, represents some hope and some longing that he will in one in one day get, get to do so. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, because later in that quote, he goes on to say, quote, he could go on telling me as long as he'd got breath, if only I could see his old face again. Mm -hmm. Really wishing for that, that home feeling, that feeling of familiarity and that feeling of probably a little bit of comfort in the routine, even if the the routine is to be told that you're going to end up in a bad way. Right. (laughs) Which I think a little bit is Sam building up the relationship, but because it does seem like they have a very, when we saw at the beginning of the book and we'll see, you know, later, it seems like that they have a good father-son relationship. Mm Mm-hmm. Our next example, we haven't even turned the page yet. We're still on 273 now. And this is my favorite quote from this chapter. I still picked a talking with Tolkien, but I really, really like this one. And I had actually highlighted it the last time I read the book. So this is from Sam, and we actually get the word hope. Quote, And after all, he never had any real hope in the affair from the beginning. But being a cheerful hobbit, he had not needed hope, as long as despair could be postponed. And I like that because it drew such a clear line for me between somebody who's generally cheerful, someone who's an optimist, and hope. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I think before I had saw those as like one is a personality trait and one is a thing that you do actively. But this line showed me that being cheerful, being an optimist is sort of the same thing as having hope and that it, hope could be labeled more into that personality trait or what you said earlier in the chapter as, as a practice instead of like a one-time specific action that you take when there's nothing left for you to do. Mm -hmm. How do you think that changes your understanding of like the people around you if we sort of make this distinction between hope as a thing that anybody can do versus an optimist is maybe when you do it enough and it becomes more More inherent to your outlook? Yeah, I don't know. I I heard recently, don't sell. I'm not gonna botch the quote, but it was basically, don't celebrate, don't celebrate whether things turned out good or despair when things turned out bad because your choices are half chance anyway. Mm. And that makes me think of generally cheerful personalities. Is it something that you practice, or is it something that was sort of half chance anyway that it was thrust upon your biology? Mm-hmm. I don't know, mm-hmm. but I, I, in Sam's case, it does seem like this is a person who was cheerful and maybe just had an, a less stressful life and just didn't really need hope because he, he was always sort of cheerful. Mm-hmm. Is that too roundabout? I don't know. I think if the listeners have thoughts <laughs> about that question or just generally hope and optimism what's their relationship to one another are they are they mutually exclusive mm-hmm. are they parts of a, a greater whole is it more nurture versus nature if you have any kinds of thoughts we'd love to hear them because i as someone who's looking to practice a little more hope in her day-to-day life, would love your thoughts on on that question. Mm-hmm. I do think, because I am, I am hopeful, that anybody can 
have more hope in their life. Mm-hmm. I think it, w- it would be a very pessimistic view to be like, nope, only some people can practice hope regularly. Right. I think to your point that sort of nature versus nurture, there are folks for whom that happens more easily. Mm-hmm. And then there are folks who have to maybe more consciously mm-hmm. engage in that hope practice. Yeah. But like everything, it happens on a spectrum. So I'm sure there are all kinds of ways to treat and answer that question that I don't know we have to tie it up in a neat little bow, right. neat little elven rope bow. Mm-hmm. Well, well, we'll leave that where, where it is and let that, let that elven not stay. <laughs> My next example is on 276. And this is from one of Frodo's speeches to, to Gollum in this chapter. His first one that he gives, where he's saying that Gollum is in danger. And the exact quote is, quote, Do not say that again. Do not let that thought grow in you. You will never get it back. And this, to me, drew a highlighter over the fact that Gollum is really hoping that he is going to get the ring back. He is playing this long game that he will, at the end of all of this, get the ring back. And this is Frodo saying, I acknowledge that you have that hope and it's futile. You will never get it back. Mm-hmm. So it's a, little, it's a little crushed hope for Gollum slash Smeagol. For sure. And I think it's almost, there's a lot to be said about Smeagol slash Gollum. But I think that there's also a lot to be said about when you live with a hope or maybe in this case, as we've made the distinction earlier, a dream this long, Mm -hmm. when does it become a delusion? Mm. And when is it still, like, actionable or practicable? Right, when the hope is not based in reality. Right. Yeah, we we will see a lot of that, (laughs) I think, as they continue to, to travel with Gollum. Absolutely. So my next example, we're gonna go back to Sam. This is on page 283. And you called this out in your recap. Quote, were there any oliphants? Asked Sam, forgetting his fear and his eagerness for news of strange places. And I think this shows Sam has a real hope still for adventure and to see new things. Which we remember at the beginning when we started this. And he was so hopeful to see the elves and to see elf magic. And it was nice to, to see a little glimpse of that again. And remember that... Sam's kind of a dreamer and that he's still hoping that he's going to get to see new things on this adventure that they're on. Mm -hmm. And then the last example I have is two quotes that I'm going to combine, even though they're on two separate pages. So on page 276, Frodo says to Gollum, I will trust you once more. And then on page 284, he says along the same line, well, Smeagol, the third turn may turn the best. I will come with you. Between those two, a lot happens where Frodo's trying to decide if he's going to put his trust in Smeagol a third time to lead him in the right way. And I think he does because he doesn't have complete control over the outcome, which what I talked about in the beginning when we were discussing not having control over the, the outcome being a key component of needing hope. I think Frodo here is 
trusting Smeagol and really just hoping for the best because that's that last little bit that he can do to hope that things turn out the way he wants them to. Mm-hmm. So those were those were my examples um, from from the chapter. There was there was hope, there was despair, there was optimism, there were elephants. We asked some good questions, and our conversation has helped me to kind of think differently about hope and to be a little challenged in that if Frodo and Sam can have hope in the face of great despair, right. I too can can do a little better on that front. <laughs> Let's then go to my favorite segment, Talking with Tolkien. Do you have a notable quote? <laughs> do, you, do you have a favorite quote from this chapter that you wanted to bring? Uh, yeah, I do. It's not particularly hopeful. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'll, just, I'll own that up front. So we had had a conversation, I don't know now how many episodes ago, kind of about choice and about decision making. Mm -hmm. And to celebrate good decisions sometimes means that you were able to decide between good choices. Whereas conversely, and on page 281, we have this quote. And if both led to terror and death, what good lay in choice? And that just kind of stuck with me as like, if both of your choices are less than ideal, how do you make the decision? Mm. Mm -hmm. Or what was the point? Because they're both going to lead to the same outcome. So not particularly helpful, but um, I thought it was an interesting quote. Oh, I just love having choices, though. Right? You know, <laughs> I, I get the sentiment here. And I'm sure I would feel differently if I was actually presented with two things that I knew would both lead to terror and death. Because mm -hmm. that's a big decision but it is still nice to have that little bit of agency what uh what quotes did you have so i had i had one and it's a snippet of a of a bigger quote but i'll read the whole thing just so we we have the the context Gollum, in his own way and with much more excuse as his acquaintance was much briefer may have made a similar mistake confusing kindness and blindness so the part that really stuck out to me was the confusing kindness and blindness. Because I think I have definitely fallen prey to that false dichotomy that you mm -hmm. can either have keen insight or be kind. You're either smart or you're a pushover. And that's not true. And it's I like here that both Sam and Gollum were like, oh, shoot, I thought that because Frodo was nice, it would be easy to to pull one over on him but you can be nice and have keen insight i think that's a good call out and i think one thing to to kind of name there too is there are a couple points in the chapter where the language was a little challenging for me i think in this one again we have to recognize that this was written in a place in a time but i think qualifying blindness with ignorance is is ableist mm -hmm. and so sort of recognizing that by blindness i think here we're meaning an ignorance or a, a lack of insight as opposed to equating blindness with being like unaware Liter yeah being literally blind it's not what he meant right and i think that's something that I, I often see like in these kinds of dichotomies right it's like an awareness and a blindness and i just wanted to call that out 
But I do think that's a good thought, too, as far as where and how a person draws the line for extending kindness, extending empathy to another person is an individual decision that a lot of people make differently every day. And I have absolutely misinterpreted where folks are drawing the line as like, oh, they're either choosing to like grant permission to things that I see as problematic in the wake of being kind, or they're not aware of the, of that concern that I have. And so I think your point is well made about that's a really false dichotomy. Mm-hmm. You can be both. Frodo's both. You can be both, right? And it feels pretty, I mean, I think the situation too, it's situation specific. Frodo is trying to, I think, garner some goodwill with an otherwise pretty, like, shady character Mm -hmm. who's only known, like, threats and terror and whatever for however long he's lived prior to this. And so this kindness can also, can also be a little bit of a strategy, right, to further their relationship. I mean, I don't want to color it as exclusively manipulative, but, like, there is a strategic gain as well to the kindness that he's exhibiting. Mm-hmm. Do we have any more talking with Tolkien? I don't have any other. I will say, I mean, just to call out the other point that I I took issue with, uh, it was on page 283. So we have the men that are going to Mordor, right? And they're being characterized as like, they're following the Dark Lord. They're just, they're giving in or they're shady characters again. On page 283, it says, quote, more men going to Mordor. He said in a low voice, dark faces. We've not seen men like this before. No, Smeagol has not. They are fierce. They have black eyes and long black hair and gold rings in their ears. Yes, lots of beautiful gold. And I feel like this is the first time that we have this very specific characterization of how someone appears due to skin color and i just like wasn't super comfortable with them naming like that they have dark faces Mm, mm -hmm. as they're going to mordor like i and i just wanted to to name that because i think one of the criticisms of fantasy is that like you know especially as women we don't often see ourselves represented in like really fun and like holistic ways And I think, too, that can be a criticism for folks of color, that they don't often see themselves written in unless somehow the villain has, like, a dark face and whatever else. And Mm -hmm. that kind of struck me here in this writing. Yeah, definitely not a richly diverse cast of characters were given in the way that we would expect it now. Mm -hmm. And I think it's another reason for us to look hopefully to the Rings of Power. The new series coming out soon by the time this podcast is is dropped, as we have seen stills from the, the TV show, and we know that they were more intentional with diverse casting for all of their characters, we hope. Right. If we, if we can <laughs> if suspend we can belief <laughs> enough, yeah. right, to that, you know, there's like magic and whole different types of beings in this world then i think too we can accept that there are like non-white folks who are also present Mm -hmm. yeah definitely so those were my my thoughts about the writings of this last chapter thank you for for bringing all that up so now that we've chatted a little bit about uh the quotes in the chapter ellen what action item do you have for us to practice hope in community 
So as I was reflecting on what I was going to bring for this chapter, I realized that I keep a lot of my hopes to myself and I don't really share them with others. They just sort of percolate in my brain, which I am now realizing is a missed opportunity to build deeper connections with loved ones. So today's action item is to share something that you're hoping for or hopeful for with a person you would like to strengthen your relationship. And then allow that moment of vulnerability to open up new conversations. Ugh, I love that. I'm going to go do that, like, right after we're done recording. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) We love an easily actionable action item. Yes. Yeah, that's a good one. Today's podcast was brought to you by Blackgate Security Company. We keep you locked out, and we also keep you locked in. Our music is by Robert Zahn and Simon Dom. If you have thoughts on today's episode or homework assignment, send us a voicemail or email at infellowshippodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember to take care of your community, stay hydrated, and thank you for joining us today in Fellowship. This is when Hobbit, Hobbit, this is when, (laughs) ah. can you hear the siren? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Okay. (laughs) Pew, pew, pew.